0: Well, hey, speaking of topical, um, or no, that's not a a good segue. But no, (laughs) speaking of topical, (laughs) how about that ointment? Jersey's topical.
1: (laughs) This is the AT Banter Podcast a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT BANTER.
2: Banter, banter. What's with the stutter?
0: I don't know, it's something new I'm throwing in this year. Really? What do you think?
2: Uh, I think uh, you like uh, it? You're, you're getting a couple extra B's in there for Blind Beginnings, maybe. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to maybe. subliminally attract That's right. an audience over to the Blind Beginnings podcast?
0: You got it, yes. Well, why, don't, why don't
3: you mention that? Talk a little bit about it.
0: Oh, well, hey, listen, Blind Beginnings uh, is the great uh, nonprofit organization that I do some work with. And uh, they have started up a podcast. Go figure! And uh, it's it's uh, they talk about some programs. They talk about um, some of the issues that um, a lot of blind and partially sighted youth experience. And they even have some youth helping with the podcast as well on a regular basis. So uh, it's a pretty cool show. They've got two episodes up, and uh, you can find that over at their website at www.blindbeginnings.ca slash limitless, which is the name of the podcast, Limitless Podcast. Look at that. Look at that. A little bit of shameless. Look at that. Eh?
3: Indeed. Yeah. Yep. But no cowbell.
0: No, they don't get a cowbell. We have to pick a different instrument.
3: Get them a triangle.
0: Hey, you know what? I thought of a, something that we could actually do to try to bump up our listenership. Or to uh, try to interact with our audience, it wouldn't actually increase. Get our, new be our <laughs> <Ooh, laughs> Nice, you're on fire today.
2: Professional recording.
0: <laughs> no, I thought we could um, we could threaten to melt down the cowbell, and we could create like this whole social media campaign about like hashtag Save the Cowbell. <laughs> like I, just, I was just remembering that that uh, national lampoon.
3: More cowbell skit?
0: No, 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 no. That was, that was Saturday Night Live. No. I just remember seeing in National Lampoon, they had this um, marketing campaign where they had this picture of a guy holding a gun to a dog's head. And it was kind oh, of yeah. like, buy yeah. our magazine or we're going to kill this dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I remember just that. thought we could leverage that somehow.
3: Well, try it. See what happens. We don't it's get feedback. Sure. Well,
0: I've already tipped our hand now. Though. We, would never, we would never melt down our cowbell.
3: We don't know that. Hey, you know
2: what else we gotta do this episode? Hey, what? Gotta give away a jersey.
0: Oh, hey, okay. Well that sounds fun. Well
2: are listen, what what jersey what are we, are we giving
3: away? Right? Well we've got two left. We've got the flurry jersey and we've got the Minot jersey. Hmm.
2: Well, I think uh, I think we gotta give away the uh, number two Minot jersey. Oh, okay. Alrighty then. Well, hey, we are going to give away the coveted number two minnow jersey, and we're melting yes. down our cowbell. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, uh, and so how how is this going to work? Okay, I'd... so if anybody is interested in receiving the coveted number two minnow jersey, email us at cowbell at atbanter.com.
0: Now, do you think would it sweeten the pot? Would you think would would it sweeten the pot if I wore the jersey for a week straight? Oh, I don't think it would. (laughs) All right, I'm just fair. I'm just offering. I'm just just spitballing some marketing ideas.
2: However, however, we can, you know, if people email in and they say that they would like the jersey to come pre-rob scented, uh, just (laughs) just add it to your email, and if you get the jersey, he can he can wear it for a while.
0: You know what here here's what here's what you do when you email us uh, in the subject line just um just put smells like rob. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Okay, well excellent. Well that's exciting. Okay, well and so what are we going to do this just in 2 weeks, you think?
3: Yeah, let's give people some time.
2: Yeah. Sounds good.
0: Then you're going to have to mull it over and that's really great. decide whether or not they want to go out of their way to email us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What else are they doing other than watching for
0: a free jersey? Come on, people. Excellent.
3: Okay. Well, that's out of the way.
0: Uh, Hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Uh, What the heck are we doing today?
3: Well, today I thought we would have back on the show a friend who we first spoke to back in 2016. Her name is Diane Johnson, and she's the president and CEO of Descriptive Video Works. Ooh, very cool. It's been four years, and things have changed, so God. it was definitely time. Damn, she must have come on. What What episode was she on? I think it was episode 21. Oof, wow. Yeah.
0: Wow, four years. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny you say that, because we're coming up to our 200th episode.
3: This is our 200th episode.
0: What? <laughs> it is indeed. What? Ninety-nine. Oh, my God.
3: And yep. you didn't tell us. Well, I didn't take have, a I look at the you show. <laughs> I didn't
0: have a cake or anything.
3: Wow. I know. Oh wait, wait, wait! Don't have a cake, episodes. but we got double, double cowbell. And right, I just threw the drumstick across the room. <laughs> what the? Heck? Are you okay? <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> Flying cowbell. All right. I don't know where it is now.
0: Hey Ryan, you, I heard that uh, Apple had their big event yesterday. Eh?
3: They did. It's their WWDC, so their Worldwide Developers Conference. Yeah, so just a right. lot of software announcements.
0: So, what was your take on it?
3: Well, there wasn't there wasn't any talk on accessibility that I that I heard, or even that I saw people tweeting about. But there's definitely some features I think that you know that are bringing iOS somewhat more in line with some features of Android. Um, Apple is coming out with their own silicon. So in the next couple years their Macs are going to be not necessarily leaving Intel chipsets but you know using Apple's own um, chipsets. So that was kinda interesting. Um, But you know really it there was just talk of iOS 14 the iPad OS and just some some under the hood cleaning um, fixing some new features, of course. They talked about the watch and some new features. Um, a lot of content, but really nothing that jumped out at me and made me go, oh, well, I can't wait for that. Hmm. Interesting. No,
2: no mention of their glasses?
3: Nope. Really? Nope.
2: Still nothing, is it?
3: Nope. But keep in mind, this isn't necessarily a hardware event, right? This is a, an event for developers, and, and this is what you know True. we're going to be releasing in iOS and WatchOS, and you know here's some a, a new platform or whatever for you to develop apps, um, which will work everywhere. You don't necessarily need to develop for um, Apple TV or WatchOS or iPad. You know you develop once and it's available everywhere. And, but there's a lot of people in the blindness community that are actually waiting for Apple to release. Glasses, especially now because Bose a couple years ago came out with their AR frames. Right. And a lot of the blindness community really liked those sunglasses because of um, they were Bluetooth. So the speakers that fired into your ear, they weren't uh, bone conducting and there was really some hopes that they were going to come out with some AR glasses. Um, and then we could utilize features like maybe, um, What's the Microsoft GPS um, soundscape? Right. Um, so as you turn your head, you know, you would get information related to, you know, spatial awareness and that type of stuff, what's around you. Um, and there's people waiting for Apple to do that. But, you know, Bose has, has terminated that project and has terminated their AR, um, terminated their frames as well. Really? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are looking to Apple, but there was no word. Maybe maybe there will be. I think in October is their hardware event. So. Right.
0: I would think so. I would think so. They've been working on this long enough, and it doesn't take Apple that long, um, well, especially a, when the rumor's been in the wind for years now.
3: Yeah. You know, we've had Microsoft with HoloLens, you know, didn't go anywhere except for maybe, you know, high-end commercial industrial business applications. Google Glass went by the wayside. you know they, they're trying again. Um, but there's really nothing that's stuck.
2: Well, I hope something sticks soon.
0: Well, and, well, and I think that if anybody is gonna develop something that is gonna stick in terms of the market, uh, it's probably Apple. Um, I could see Apple making a go of this on a you know in a consumer way and like on a consumer level, making a product that that it creates its own demand for. Like, you know, when the Apple Watch came out, I mean, I, I honestly, like, I thought that thing was going to die off in a year, but
3: um, it's still going. Yeah. Yeah, they're on the fifth generation Apple Watch. Uh, Watch OS, I think version 7 is the current version. You know, it's interesting, though, because I listened to a few other accessibility podcasts, and it sounds like what the people on these podcasts who are blind, who actually have and use an Apple Watch, the things they usually use them for are um, taking a quick phone call, sending a, sending a quick message, maybe some health stuff, um, you know, your heart rate and maybe some sleep stuff. But that's, you know, really about it. And, you know, I don't know, it's pretty expensive for a Fitbit, but I guess they're not cheap either. So There's so much packed into the Apple Watch, right? And, and they're not for everybody, but, you know, the people who use them seem to really like them.
0: Well, and I, that's what I, and I, I think I get the feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen with the glasses when they are released um, is that it's going to be a product that people are going to be clamoring for.
3: You know, it would be really, really cool, and maybe it'll happen, I don't know. But the Apple company comes up with a pair of glasses that you know, also have speakers, but that also have the ability that you can install apps on. So you could be laying in bed and watching Netflix. Yeah. Actually have to have a TV or have your phone there. You could actually see it or listen to it through the glasses.
0: I I mean, I think that that's absolutely on the radar. That's probably something that they're really looking to move the, the ball forward in terms of they're, they're going to want to make a product that people are going to look at and go, holy crap, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do that. And yeah. I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, obviously revolve around stuff like AR being able to just, you know, watch Netflix up in the upper <laughs> right hand corner of your vision while you do the dishes mm-hmm. as, as, or drive to work, work. <laughs> or drive, why not? <laughs> they're, they're just going to create a product that's going to have to, where I'm going to have to create a whole new set of laws around. Yeah. But that's what people want. That's, you know, and, you know, in terms of assistive technology, uh, you know, of course, the, the possibilities are off the charts. That's really what, what's getting us excited about it. Um, so, yeah, hopefully in October, we'll maybe hear more.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. Tablet-based magnification solutions have really taken off over the past couple of years. Products like the Humanware Connect 12 have been extremely popular. Now we have a few different tablet-based systems to go along with the Connect 12. The Connect 12 is based on an Android tablet, which can be great for places using Google Classroom services, but sometimes you need a tablet with a bit more punch. The Mercury 12 from TriSight and the MagnaLink Tab from Low Vision International have similar functionality to the Connect 12, but both are based on the Microsoft Surface tablet, a full-blown Windows computer. If you're looking at a tablet-based system, you can look at all three on our website at www.canastech.com.
3: Joining us now is Diane Johnson from Descriptive Video Works. Hi. Hello, old friend.
1: How are you? (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah, Rob?
0: Yep. 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 Okay?
1: Yep. Sounds good.
0: All right. Okay. Well, hey, listen, thanks for thanks for coming back.
1: Absolutely. I thank you for inviting me. It's been a few years.
0: It yeah. has. We were we were shocked. We went back into the archive and realized, wow, it's been it's been almost four, four years. years.
1: Really? Wow.
0: I know mean, we're all four years older. How yeah. about that?
1: And yeah. we look four years younger. So it's quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's you know what? So it was so long ago. Why don't we um, why don't we just start off and giving us um, because who knows who's listening these days? Uh, But let's let's revisit uh, Descriptive Video Works and give us a little bit of a snapshot about what you guys do.
1: Sure. Um, I started the company in 2003, so 16 years ago. And we do television programming for people that are blind and vision impaired. So uh, audio description, descriptive video, same thing. Um, And so what we do is we provide a voice that comes in that basically paints a picture of what's going on in programs, in commercials, on streaming services, all of that. So we have somebody that writes the show and basically what they're doing is writing between dialogue so that uh, they're describing what's going on. Then we have a narrator that voices it, we mix it, and then it goes back to our client, whether that be the broadcaster, Netflix, um, ad agencies, you know, all different things like that. And uh, that's, Basically, in a nutshell, what we do and what we've been doing for the last sixteen years.
3: Well, we've got a long list of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: well, start shooting the questions at me, and I'll answer <laughs> as best I can.
3: Yeah, well, I actually went back and listened to the episode from 2016, and um, there's you know still some gaps in the industry. It looks like so we're gonna we're gonna cover a whole bunch of topics.
0: Sounds good. Well, let's just start real general then, and just give us an idea. You know, it's been four years. Has have things? Have you guys gotten busier?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the industry. You know, when I first started, I could never understand why closed captioning for people that were deaf was a hundred percent, and yet um, descriptive video was, you know, maybe ten percent at that time. Um, And now it's really increased the amount, all of prime time programming in Canada has to be described. So that's a change since the last time we chatted. Um, So that's one of the things that, you know, you look at all of the programming in prime time from seven o'clock at night till 11 o'clock at night is mandated by the CRTC to uh, include descriptive video. And, um, also, you know, I think the last time we spoke, we were doing some work with Netflix and Netflix is not mandated to do audio description, but they do it because they know it's the right thing to do. So all of their original programming is described, uh, we're now what's called a TPN partner. So that's part of the, we're part of the trusted partner network for Netflix, which was, um, a challenge to get that, but we knew we would get that status. Um, Needless to say, with a company as big as Netflix, they want to make sure that the, you know, programming that they're doing, the audio description they're doing is absolutely top notch. So we've done some things for them, um, such as doing focus groups with children that are blind. Uh, We do a lot of children's programming and we thought, you know, it's really important to get the um, feedback from them. You know, are they, is the voice the right voice? Are we describing too much, too little? So we did focus groups with uh, kids and it was really good. The feedback was just great. And we've also, uh, we do Narcos, which is of course a show on Netflix and that's Spanish. So we did um, focus groups with people that were Spanish because we wanted to again, make sure that we were doing the best job possible. So that's one of the areas that, you know, we make sure that we are working with our advisory council and they are all blind. So if we have any things that come up that maybe we're not sure whether it's the right thing to do, the right word to use, the right tone, uh, we can go to them and they're amazing with giving us advice when we need it. Um, You know, as to the growth since the last time we had the interview, um, you know, we've hired more people. Um, We're finding that uh, we're getting all different areas of work coming in. So some of the new areas would be, uh, you know, cruise ships. And you think about someone that's blind that would like to go on a cruise and so they go to the travel agent and the travel agent says, yeah, we'll just watch this video. And it tells you all about what we do. And they're oh, I'm blind. I can't see the video. Oh, okay. And then they get on the ship cruise ship and they go, I'd really like to do some things, you know, on land, some excursions, things like that. Well, there's the TV that's in the cabin and it doesn't have audio description. So now we're working with cruise lines, making sure that there's accessibility with the cruise lines. Uh, so that's another area. Um, there's a number of other areas as well. Do you want me to jump into that now or do you want to ask some more questions?
3: Yeah, no, I definitely think we'll get to that. Um, but I want to back up a little bit. And you had mentioned, uh, what was it, the TPN network that you mm-hmm. got now? So since our last interview, you know, I, I've been watching way more descriptive TV. Uh-huh. And, you know, we've got so many more companies now we've got you know john halverson productions bmi wgbh does this tpn network did they establish like a set of standards or criteria that have to be met for quality description
1: no the trusted partner network like um it well, it's, it's np3 uh is basically tpn is making sure that we've got all of the technology that we need to have and, and all of that in order, there's nobody in Canada that has that status. And then an NP3 partner is the Netflix partnership that we have. So we're established as uh, an NP3 partner with Netflix. So um, the, you know, when you're talking about sort of the criteria, the guidelines, things like that, that's something that's different. So I worked with uh, the CRTC on our guidelines for Canada and, um, you know, we've revamped them or I wouldn't say revamped them, refreshed them a couple of years ago. And so the other companies, um, you know, all of the companies need to go with those guidelines.
3: Okay, great. The last time we spoke, you guys, I think, had mentioned that you you have done Narcos, which was Spanish. And you've done a lot more hiring in the last four years. And we're seeing more and more audio description available in different languages. Are you guys doing multiple languages now or is it still English, Spanish, French?
1: It, it's English, Spanish, French. Um, we you know, mainly specialize in English audio description. Uh, we're now starting to do video games as well, which is a whole new area. Mm-hmm. Um, our company, Descriptive Video Works, was a year ago purchased by Keywords Media Services, and, or Keywords Studios, and Keywords is one of the top video gaming companies in the world. So they are in 26 different countries. So I, you know, I'm quite sure as we get, you know, more involved, we will be doing more multi-language um, audio description.
3: Yeah, that's great. You know, like I said, you know, I've been watching some Amazon Instant Video stuff and, you know, the list of languages just keeps increasing all the time, yeah. which, you know, brings me to, you know, region-specific um material again. Are we finding that, you know, if a if a movie house, it's, you know, or whoever Universal Pictures releases a movie in Canada with audio description, are we finding that those those boundaries are opening up more and more where we'll actually get audio description around the world at the same time?
1: Yeah, I think that's starting to expand. You know, as I think I said last time, the UK is really the leader in audio description in Canada, and now the US has come in. So if there's a program that has been described uh, in the US, I think we're finding now that there's easier access to finding out whether it has been described or not. And so if it was described in the US and Canada has purchased that, um, you know, series, then they will air it with description from that has already been done. Right. And the same thing with the UK, you know, it used to be because it was very new, that people would say, oh, I don't know, I doubt that it's been done. So you just, you know, you had really no way of finding out. And now um, I think that the producers are much more uh, forward with saying, yes, you know, we've already had that done. Do you want the audio description? And for the most part, the broadcaster or the streaming company is going to say, that's great that it's already been done. Yes, that's the format that we'd like it into.
3: Yeah, and that's still, you know, another barrier. Like I said, I listened to the show from four years ago, and as somebody who's blind, there is still not a central hub where somebody who's blind or low vision can actually go and see what's being described on Netflix, Hulu, Crave, Disney+. You know, we've got 25 different streaming services now Mm -hmm. offering audio description, and we still have no idea what's being described.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, the Audio Description Project, um, ADP, they have uh, a list of a lot of the programs that are described in um you know hulu amazon netflix Um, not the broadcasters as much but they do have lists there which is uh, and they try to keep their lists as up to date as they possibly can
3: but is that u.s content only or is that
1: it's going to be u.s content like but it will also include some of the Canadian content, but it won't be specific. So in other words, you'll look at the list and you'll go, oh, that one's described on Amazon, okay. Um, I know that I have access to Amazon or that one's described on Netflix. So as far as I know, and quite honestly, I'm not exactly sure how that works. I just know that they are listed there. So I think people do find it helpful that there's lists there. Having said that, You know, it may say, you know, this is on Hulu and described. And for all I know in Canada, it might not um, come across that way. And again, like I say, that's not something that I'm really is knowledgeable.
3: Right.
0: So it's definitely gotten busier for you guys. But have you found that attitudes are changing in terms of people are realizing the the real value um, about audio description?
1: Absolutely. Like a huge change from when I started the company, but even from the last time uh, we chatted about it. You know, one of the things that I'm finding is a lot of sighted people are loving audio description. You think about how we all multitask. And if you've got your, you know, say Netflix is on and it's got a description on it. You can be working around the house. You can do whatever you like and you've still got the show on. So I think that's an area, too, where it's not just focused on people that are blind. Um, And I think it's becoming more of the norm than it used to be. You know, there's times before when, you know, we'd work with a producer and because the broadcaster mandated that they had to have audio description in that show, they would have to do it. And then they may be working on another show that didn't, it wasn't mandated But they've come to us and said, you know, we feel it's the right thing to do. It's not mandated, but we'd like you to do the audio description. So there's, I think, a whole change in the way people think about it now. And I think, you know, we're all more aware of inclusion than we ever have been, especially with some of the recent events. So we're looking at treating everyone equally and making sure that everyone has access to the same... Um, you know, information, education, uh, entertainment, all of those things, it's really, I think, is becoming far more important. And especially, like you say, you're watching a lot more programming right now. Well, as we know, we're all inside more and we're needing to be, you know, we want to be entertained and informed. So,
3: Have you found that with all of us, you know, virtually working from home now, Um, I watched the Apple WWDC conference yesterday and saw that today the audio description track for the presentation was released. Have you found that more companies that are doing virtual conferences are reaching out for audio description?
1: That's a very good question. And I haven't noticed that. Hmm. You know, I know we are doing, um, you know, still doing a lot of live description and uh we were supposed to be doing the olympics for nbc and for cbc this year but of course as we all know the olympics and paralympics were both cancelled um but nbc had decided that they were you know we'd signed the contract and everything to do it and they had decided that they were going to do more than they did last year which to me was a great sign and cbc as well so you know there is I think more live description that's happening as well. You know, we're doing the Canada, Gay, Canada Day show for CBC. We're also doing the Global Citizen concert. Um, you know, we did it for CBC a couple of months ago. So it's now more top of mind. I think where you know if you're sitting down and deciding what your programming is going to be for the year, that would be a question you would probably bring up is is their audio description included? Whereas before, no one would even think about it. You'd know that naturally closed captioning was going to be, but I don't think it would be on your radar to uh, see if it was going to be, um, you know, include descriptive video.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I just think, you know, if we see more and more um, people, you know, like museums doing virtual tours and, yeah. you know, aquariums and, and different things like that, different online conferences and, to, to have equal access, you know, we're going to need presentations and stuff described to us. So,
1: absolutely, yeah. Well, a whole new area for us that we're really enjoying and just getting into is the video games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did Minecraft, um, probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, we just did Assassin's Creed, the trailer for that.
3: fantastic.
1: I'm glad you liked it. Yeah.
3: It almost made me want to go out and get a PlayStation and Xbox and try to play.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, I think that that's one of the things that I've loved about the company. You know, when somebody said to us, hey, do you think you could ever do so and so, you know, like probably 10 years ago when they said, do you think you could ever do live description? And I was like, hey, let's try it. And we, were, when we were approached about, you know, do you think you'd be able to do video games? I thought, hey, we've got nothing to lose. Let's try that. So um, I think that's, in a way, what keeps me engaged and excited about it is the new areas as well. And it's showing the growth and people's awareness has increased. There's absolutely no doubt.
0: Well, you know, and it's interesting because... Covid has really changed uh, a lot of things, um, and not the least of which, it's really put a lot of emphasis on just the importance of things like digital accessibility and equal access mm-hmm. to um, virtual events and information. Um, so, you know, I think that we're really sort of on, you know, on the edge of of really exploring a, a lot of different genres, not just sort of video games. I mean, even everything from, you know, who knows what's going to happen with say movie theaters, for example, we may very well see a real shift in the, the way that we consume sort of, you know, day one entertainment. Um, and so you may find that that sort of is, is a whole new well of audio description as well. Do you guys kind of feel that?
1: I, th- I really think so. I think before it certainly wasn't top of mind and everything's changing in our world. You know, you think about um, an example would be kids that are blind that are going to school and maybe they're not in a special school. They're part of, you know, the general public school system. And if they're doing learning online, some of that's going to have to be described for them. So it is it is definitely expanding, and we're looking at it, I think, in a completely new way because we're looking at everything in a new way, really, in the last couple of months, aren't we?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's interesting you mentioned that. So have, have you been approached by anything in terms of education? Because you're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many educational um, materials that may very well need to be um, described, H- had, has anybody reached out to you guys uh, in terms of any any educators?
1: Absolutely, um, universities have uh, more the the states than uh, in Canada, but you think about it, you know, somebody's um, doing their practicum, and part of it is that they have to watch a certain show, and um, you know, you're looking at a university class. And are you going to say, well, gee, that one's not described. So you don't have to do the same thing as everybody else. Um, You know, we're going to give you another job, you know, something else. Well, that's not right. And are you going to say, well, sorry, you can't complete the course because you can't see this video and participate like everybody else can. So we have found that from universities To date, I can't think, and I'm kind of racking my brain now, I don't think we've had anyone in the education system for uh, elementary schools or high schools, but I can see that that definitely will change as well.
0: Um, Well, why don't we talk a little bit about all these new streaming services? Um, You know, know, Ryan mentioned it uh, earlier, um, there are just so many, and it looks like even more on the horizon. Um, have have any of them reached out to you guys?
1: We do work for a lot of work for Netflix, as I mentioned before. Um, Amazon, we're doing some work for them. We haven't, uh, you know, heard anything from Hulu. Uh, they may be doing it through one of their uh, production companies, because sometimes what happens. Is they would go to a big studio that is doing, say, their color editing and their localization and their subtitling and everything, and uh, have a package, and that would include descriptive video and closed captioning. So that may be the case with companies like Hulu or, uh, you know, a Crave or anyone else that's doing it. That it's just part of the package, you know. Machine
0: learning and AI. Um, do you ever see a, a point where those, can be, those technologies can be leveraged?
1: Some com- there are a couple of companies that are doing what we call synthesized voicing. And so they would write it and have a voice that would voice it. Um, we've done focus groups around that. Um, most people don't care for it because it doesn't have the emotion that you would like to have in a show. Having said that, if you have a documentary, maybe that's, you know, some, that may be a way to go. Um, if we, you know, we've done, we've looked into it, but at this point we're going to, you know, continue doing, uh, audio description the way that we are, but I'd never say no. You know, if at some point. We had a client that said, you know, we have all of these programs that we really need to describe. They're all documentary style, talking heads, that kind of thing. What do you think about doing them in more of a um, sort of digital fashion? I would certainly take a look at it. I would never, um, you know, turn away from it.
3: Well, and that, you know, if you were to use synthesized speech, Depending on the content that you're needing to be described, you know, your turnaround times would be a lot quicker. You know, I think back, you know, four years ago, we were talking about it. And I think you'd mentioned, you know, typically, you know, I think the quickest amount of time turnaround is, is like a day yeah, to get a descriptive track done. So, AI would definitely speed that up. But then again, you know, it's like trying to listen to synthesized speech, read to you a book. It's just horrendous. I'd much rather have human narration and have that emotion and inflection.
1: Yeah. And that's really what we found. And that's, you know, whenever we've done focus groups about that, you can see everybody sitting there and going, hmm, you know, I guess if we got more of it, then maybe it would be okay with certain shows. So I think that's part of what we all, Um, you know, need to look at overall, is something like AI the way we want to go? I I don't know. I mean, we know it's certainly not going away, but how does that work with audio description?
3: Right.
0: So maybe for, for people out there that maybe aren't really familiar at all with the process that happens... Can you give us like a little bit of a basic idea of of what that process is like?
1: I'm going to do an overview because I'm not our technical department at all. Um, But basically, we would be approached by either a producer, a broadcaster, streaming company, and they would come to us and say, "Okay, we'd like this show described. Uh, we would then look at sort of format, what format they're bringing it in. We work in all different formats. We've, from the very beginning, I said, we can't just solely have one format. We have to be, um, you know, all inclusive in that way. So then they would get in touch with us. Uh, we would look at their timelines. We would look at volume. We would then get back to them, give them a quote on, um, you know, what we feel, um, is a fair price for how much we're doing. And uh, then we would send the file to one of our writers. They would send the file to us. Then we would send it to our writer. Our writer would download it. They would write it. And then they would send it back to the studio. We would voice it in the studio. We would, you know, edit it, mix it, and then send it back to our client. And in between those times, we're doing quality control on it. So the writer would look at their script, read it through after they've totally completed it. Uh, Then when we're in the studio, the narrator is also watching it. So they may say, gee, this one, this doesn't make sense here. Can we rewind that and take another look at this? And they may tweak that. For the most part, they don't need to, but we look at it that we like, you know, more eyes on it. And then uh, when our audio tech person is going through it as well, they're double checking it before it goes back to the broadcaster. Because for us, it's really important that we're getting it right. We don't want it to air and someone that's watching it going like, wow, I was totally confused. You had the wrong name there. You said he instead of she, which could be, you know, you think about you're typing out a script and it could be a typo, but man, does that ever change the show? So, um, yeah, so that's the process of how we do it. And we also, like some of the companies we work with, like us to send them a demo of three or four voices and they'll decide... For the most part, we make the decision because we've been doing it for a long time. You know, Netflix at first, when we started working with them, they wanted to choose the voice themselves. Then they basically said with most of their programming, you know, you guys choose which you think is the best voice for that. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, Having said that, you know, there's certain accents that we need for some shows that we're doing, like Downton Abbey. You have to have a specific Accent for something like that. You look at comedy. You know, I think I told you last time we've done four hundred SpongeBob SquarePants shows. So you need a definitely need a certain voice for that. Um, children's programming, horror movies, all different voices, and to me that's really important because you know you look at a horror movie. First of all, you have to be very respectful of the music because the music does tell the story a lot of the time. And you also have to have a voice that's not giving away what's going on, but is also engaged in the style of program.
3: So I'm going to ask the question that everybody's waiting to be asked. (laughs) Doing Pornhub.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That just had to come up again, didn't it?
3: It had to come up.
1: Did you ask me last time?
3: We did. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, whatever I said last time is what I would say this time, okay?
0: <laughs> see, I feel like that's where we could use the AI synthesized voice. Yeah, exactly. No,
1: exactly. yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't been approached in the last four years about Pornhub, okay? Just so you know.
3: Oh, <laughs> All right, well, I'll send them a message.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, want more.
1: Yeah. I want more.
3: That's right.
0: Um, well, I, so going back to Netflix, though, I, I'm just curious. Um I mean, you guys obviously have had a, a, a long relationship with them, and they've been in the audio descriptive uh, game for a while. Certainly, you know, longer than any of the other streaming services. Although, in fairness, they've been around longer. But is it your feeling that they're they're just they, they pay more attention to audio description than the other streaming services? And if so, why do you think that is?
1: I think that they've really set the bar for the rest of them. Quite honestly, um, I have the most utmost respect for them because it's not something they have to do as part of their license, or for any reason other than they feel it's the right thing to do. And we, uh, you know, they came to us very early on and said, "Can you help us with this? You know, you guys are the experts here." And we spent a lot of time talking to them about it, going through their guidelines. Um, and I really think that to them, it is priority. I I don't. It's not my belief that they did it because they thought it was a financial grab. I think they did it because they thought it was the right thing to do. And what it did is it set the bar for the rest of them. And you know, as you probably know, a lot of them were not going to include. Um, audio description and they had sort of reasons why, well, that one wasn't provided with it and it was too tight of a turnaround time for this one. And Netflix never had that stand on it. It was like, we're doing it. And that's important. So I think they also set the bar high for broadcasters as well.
3: Well, and I would hope now that, you know, any, whatever screenwriter, director, producer, that's creating a show is actually thinking about having descriptive audio because they're, they're going to a mixed desk anyway. They're working with audio engineers anyway. You know, let's just do this from the beginning instead of coming back afterwards saying, you know, hi, uh, can you, can you do this for us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you.
3: Well, you had mentioned back in 2016 that you guys were doing about a hundred shows a month. How has that increased?
1: I'd say we're probably doing just on average about 100, 130. Um, But there's different styles of shows that we're doing now. Like very often we'll do a series and then, you know, the next, um, you know, we'll do say the first eight episodes of something. Then we continue to get the entire series until it's, um, you know, discontinued, which sometimes happens. Right. So, uh, and we're also doing more corporate things as well. So there's are short videos, like a two minute, a one minute, things like that uh, for corporate clients, for ad agencies, those are really starting to increase. So overall, you know, I'd say, yeah, we're doing more work than we were, but we also like for us with COVID, we've been able to keep our studios open. Um, Because the studio is big enough, we're doing everything to do with sanitizing, nobody's in the same room with each other or anything. So it's been really good, even though we're set up to go remotely in a second, you know, in British Columbia, you know, as we know, BC is doing really well. But if we were ever to have to shut down, we have everything set up so that we could jump into doing it remotely. So uh, we haven't found that our work has slowed down through COVID. I think in some ways, um, you know, for some studios, they're not able maybe to work remotely like we could if we needed to. But we're still, uh, you know, voicing in our studios.
3: Well, let me let me you know, circle back around to kind of a topic we talked about early on and standards. You know, with more and more companies, it seems, doing or providing audio description, because like I mentioned a few of them earlier on, you know, is there a concern that with all these different companies providing audio description, um, you know, are there standards that need to be followed to, to provide excellence or is it just a yeah. throw stuff at the wall and, and, you know, we get what we get?
1: I would hope nobody's throwing it against the wall because there are there's definitely our standards. Okay. Um, and I think there's high standards, and I think we've, over the years, made sure that that was very, very important because when we first started, the thing that I knew for sure was if we didn't do it properly, you know, from my background in broadcasting, if you don't get something right, people are going to tune out. And as we all know, to get somebody back that... You've lost takes a lot. Mm -hmm. And I thought if we don't do this properly, we're going to end up um, just tuning people out. And they go, Yeah, well, I couldn't even follow that show, or there was too much description, or the voice was really irritating, or whatever. And then you're done. And so now, um, you know, and that was one of the things that 16 years ago, CBC. And I got together and we said, you know, we've been in the business for a long time. And we we remember with closed captioning, there weren't guidelines and it was all over the place. It was crazy. And we said with audio description, let's from the get go, make sure that it's done well, that there are standards and that we all follow those standards, which we've done. And we've also tweaked some of the things, you know, like we looked at the guidelines that we did, I think, in 2010, and we said okay you know there's things that we can probably add to them that we've changed that we've learned a bit more about and so we've made sure that those guidelines are as up to date as they they need to be and everybody does need to follow those i would i think it would be just a crying shame if people were just as you say throwing it against the wall because it's just plain disrespectful You know why would you say to some why would you get somebody excited and say yeah Breaking Bad's just you know audio described which we just did the whole like seven of the series Um, and somebody's really excited and then they watch it and they go oh well I couldn't even follow it man that voice just grated on me so uh, that to me would just be disrespectful it's like any anything that you do just do the very best job that you possibly can and make sure. That you're getting input from the intended audience instead of just assuming you know what's right to do, and that's where guidelines can keep us all on track. And it's not something that you go, "Hey, we did the guidelines, you know, 15 years ago, so who cares?" We've got those guidelines. Revisit them, like you do with your, you know, strategic um, plans for your business or anything like that. You need to continue to update things and make sure that they're as current as they can be. So. Right.
3: And so you guys, you've mentioned like a couple of times, you guys still use focus groups and, you know, I guess if people wanted to send you feedback on a program they saw that was done by Descriptive Video Works, is there a process they can do that?
1: Oh, absolutely. They just send it into info at Descriptive Video Works. Um, Melissa, who is our client services manager, She's always checking like Twitter. She's checking our Instagram, you know, all of those areas. If we find, uh, you know, and the other thing that I really like about what we do, you know, we're, you know, posting on social media. And if somebody posts something, we always make sure that the writer, like if somebody said, wow, the description was so great, I could really follow it or not. Um, we make sure we get in touch with the writer so the writer knows. And if the narr- you know, somebody says, wow, that narrator was excellent or not, uh, we'll be in touch with our narrator because you think about it, in a way they're working in a silo. You know, They finish the job and nobody says, oh, that's really good. You did a great job writing that until it airs. So we love getting feedback from, from viewers. We are totally open to it.
3: And I don't know if Rob or Steve have any other questions, but I'm going to refer back to one of the last questions I have is you, Diane Johnson, predicted in 2016 that perhaps in five years we would have 100% description. Where do you think we're at today?
1: Oh, wow. My last question is a hard question. <laughs> um <clears throat> I would say the fact that uh, Canada has mandated that prime time is a hundred percent is a big win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a win that Netflix is saying all of their original programming will be a hundred percent described um, as to, you know, all programming a hundred percent described. No, we're not there. I still it is my dream that it will be, that we'll be at the level that closed captioning is. I think the fact that, you know, we're doing things like the Olympics, that sort of thing, um, that's really increased. With the Olympics, I would say we do 100% of what we can. Right. So in other words, there's no point in just doing, I, I can't think of right now, say there's a sport, but it just is impossible to describe so to be able to say oh well, it was 100 percent done when the truth was you didn't help anybody by doing that segment doesn't make sense but um there's my answer so you know if i had a crystal ball i'd like to say okay in two years when we do our next interview it'll be a hundred percent but i'd say we've really we've absolutely come a long way so that's the the good news for sure
3: one, well, it sounds like in the people you're talking to, whether it's broadcasters, you know, movie houses, screenwriters, whatever, it sounds like more and more people are coming to the realization that this is just the right thing to do, you know, accepting of it.
1: Absolutely, and it is. I mean, why would there be a certain segment of an audience of you know of the population that um, can't have the same discussions as other people? You know, you think about right now. There's everybody's watching so many so much more programming, whether it be streaming, whether it's just regular television. And there's so much conversation, you know, people saying, what are you binge watching now? What are you binge watching now? And for someone that's blind to kind of look and go, well, there's not much that I have because there's no audio description. I can't join in that conversation. That's wrong.
0: So did you see that, Ryan? She invited herself back on in two years.
3: than <laughs> <laughs> that, if you've got any breaking news, absolutely.
2: <laughs> anytime. I do love shaming self-promotion.
0: <laughs> no, no. Actually, any anytime you want to come on, you just let us know. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, um, again, sh- we have to thank you so much again for for coming on, and and uh, it's a fascinating process. And, and so important, um, you know, like you said, especially right now. So,
1: Well, thank you very much. And if there's any other questions that come up, you guys, please uh, just fire them off to be me, and I'd be more than happy to, uh, to answer anything that I can for sure.
3: Where can people find Diane?
1: You can just send an email to info at com, and it will get to me.
3: So. And the website itself?
1: Descriptivevideoworks. Easy. Easy. (laughs) Easy, easy. You bet. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, you know, I was hoping that that the the number would be a lot closer to 100%, but I had a a sneaking suspicion that I wasn't even close to that yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no. We got a long way to go. Primetime, yay. Daytime, boo.
0: (laughs) I'm pleasantly surprised that Netflix really has been taking the, the reins and being the leader in um, audio description for their platform. And it, I really, really hope all these new ones um, take a take a page from that and step up as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's even been some YouTube, I think, originals that I've wanted to to watch or, or rent or buy or whatever. And, you know, I don't even know if they've got description yet. So.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And, and I so think Amazon witty. Amazon does fairly well, too. Yep. Um, I don't know about Disney Plus And certainly, you know, this, there's this new HBO Max mm-hmm. platform out there as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. But it does really show um, just how much work is involved in producing, you know, even a two-hour movie, say. I, it's a lot of work it's not just a matter of, you know, you know just throwing throwing descriptions on there. You, there's a lot of moving parts to this.
3: Yeah, well, like she said, you know, horror movies, a lot of times the music, you know, builds up intensities or, or you know, intensifies moods. Um, you know, the, the, the narrator, whoever's doing the description has to be able to fit in yeah. the, the silent sequences, you know, enough words to make the description actually worthwhile, right? So, yeah, it's like you say, it's it's a process.
0: It is a process. And, you know, in in a way, it's almost unfair to compare it to something like closed captioning, Mm -hmm. because closed captioning is such an easier process when you comparatively not saying it's an easy process, but it's it's much easier than, say, creating an entire audio descriptive track for a movie or a TV show. Um, But it's just as important.
3: Yeah, and I probably said this last year, but I think I'm going to have to try and find somebody to come on the show and talk about closed captioning. <laughs> yeah,
0: you yeah, probably did say that last
3: year. Get on that. I will indeed. Uh,
0: all right. Well, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us online at
3: www.atbanter.com.
0: They can also drop us an email, if they so desire, at cowbell at atbanter.com.
2: And you know what else? What? They can get us on social media. Really? They can. They can get us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Hey, no way.
3: What's an Instagram? Instagram. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those
2: grams that's, you know, instant.
3: <laughs> and still no Pinterest. Uh,
2: still no Pinterest. Whatever
0: Pinterest, <laughs> I, I still don't understand Pinterest. I'm I've given up on Pinterest. Thing? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Is it's it even just, still Oh, sure, probably.
3: I don't yeah. know. Oh, we need yeah. a TikTok channel now.
2: <laughs> Ooh, that's true.
0: That is true. We need to let Why the you, Chinese government are you know
2: what we out to the Chinese government.
3: Sure. AT Banter's got nothing to hide. That's right. That's who you think.
2: <laughs> Rob's not wearing pants. Speak for yourself.
3: <laughs> I'm glad this isn't being audio described. <laughs> yeah, really.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What that would look like. Yes. Um, well then that is going to about do it for us for this week. Uh, big thanks to Diane Johnson for joining us and we will see everybody
2: next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian assistive technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.